Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy Friday uh, to you and yours. Happy day before Saturday. The weekend is here, baby, and man, am I excited. Uh, one, and primarily because today's show is going to be awesome. We are going to stick the landing. Uh, Steve Kim, the Korean Cosell, will be here a little later in the show to talk about Colin Kaepernick, Adam Schefter, the famous NFL reporter for ESPN, uh, put it in the air yesterday, in the Twitter air, that Colin Kaepernick's in the best shape of his life. And any team looking to win a Super Bowl could sign the quarterback that ain't played in six years and is a mark. Anyway, I think there's something to read into that. Uh, I'm also going to talk to the Korean Cosell about uh, Khalil Mack joining the Los Angeles Chargers. I think that's big news. Uh, Shamika Michelle will be here uh, later in the show. Uh, to, uh, she's got a question she wants to ask Uncle Jimmy. Uncle Jimmy and I will have an approval rating on Colin Kaepernick. Uh, but as I told you all, anybody uh, yesterday on this show and then last night on Tucker Carlson's show, I'm circling back uh, to Jussie Smollett. And I'm so glad that I have this opportunity to circle back. I was hoping we'd get the news of his sentence and stuff yesterday uh, before the show, but it came down around 6.30, almost 7 o'clock last night. Uh, and so as I, I, I was on Tucker Carlson's last night and I told people on his show, like, watch the show today. I'm going in on Jussie Smollett. I'm going to give a big picture explanation of what's going on with Jussie Smollett. And you know who's going to help me do it? The smartest man on the show, uh, Delano Squires. And so I'm going to start a fire, and then we're going to bring Delano in to fan the flames, and you're going to enjoy it. Uh, tell your friends and families, uh, tell strangers, tell acquaintances, tell your coworkers to come join this fearless army. Go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock or follow us on wherever podcast or play, particularly over at Apple. Uh, make sure you're downloading the podcast and leaving those five-star reviews and writing me a little note about how good the show is because I know you can't tell me how bad the show is because we've been kicking butt and taking names. The Fearless Army is rounding in the shape. We just need more recruits, and I need you guys to go out and do it. <clears throat> uh, but let me do my job and entertain, inform, uh, uh, provide insight to you. That's my job. That's why you're here. So let me get it started. <clears throat> Inside a Chicago courtroom early Thursday evening, the man Jesse Jackson described as a well-known non-violent, black, gay man of Jewish heritage, that man cast himself as Nelson Mandela. As sheriffs escorted the civil rights activist, Jussie Smollett, to a Cook County jail cell, the convicted felon thrust his half-black fist into the air, declared his innocence, and shouted once again, I am not suicidal! Watch for yourself. I am not suicidal. Stop laughing about black people. I am not suicidal. And I am innocent. I could have said that I was guilty a long time ago. Mm. I don't know if you heard the woman in the background. Stop locking up black men. 
What about half black men uh, with Jewish heritage who are gay and well-known? Should we not lock them up? Uh, Bizarre does not adequately describe the courtroom proceedings that ended with a judge sentencing Smollett to 150 days in jail and 30 months of probation, and the former TV star emphatically posturing as a political prisoner. He's America's Nelson Mandela. Smollett arrived at his sentencing fashionably late, like a celeb taking his NBA Finals courtside seat minutes after tip-off. On the way into the courtroom, Smollett and his entourage and bodyguards shoved their way past members of the media, knocking one man to the ground. Mm. Once inside, Smollett's uh, nightmare team of lawyers and character witnesses constantly relitigated the five guilty verdicts from his race hoax trial, condescendingly lectured the judge, and displayed a level of arrogance, entitlement, and cluelessness that would embarrass an off-the-wagon Hunter Biden. Apparently, there's no stronger delusion than half-black privilege. Smollett's 92-year-old white grandmother hammered that point 90 minutes before her grandson began his long walk to freedom. Smollett's granny took the witness stand and threw herself into the role of Winnie Mancaren. She blasted the media for failing to properly investigate the events that turned her heir, sp her spoiled heir, into a five-time felon. She wagged her finger at the judge, telling him, I asked you, judge, not to send him to prison, and if you do, send me along with him, okay? Judge James Lynn scolded and berated Smollett for a half an hour before rendering Smollett's sentence for premeditating an elaborate, buffoonish, and farcical racial hate crime hoax and repeatedly lying about it to the police, a jury, and the judge. Watch this. You're not a victim of a racial hate crime. You're not a victim of homophobic hate crime. You're just a charlatan pretending to be a victim of a hate crime. And that's shameful, especially from the family you got brought up with, with your family values. It's so sad. So I'm trying to consider who you are as a person, how you got here, how somehow you strayed away from your family values, you let that dark, narcissistic, selfish, and arrogant side come out, and you persisted with it for years on this case. Yeah, charlatan, pretending to be a victim. The description applies to many of Smollett's high-profile supporters, particularly Jesse Jackson and Derek Johnson, the president of the NAACP. Jackson, Johnson, and Smollett exemplify the pervasive exploitation, perversion, and commercialization of the 1950s and 60s civil rights movement. A righteous, dignified movement that fought for freedom and opportunity for everyday black people has been turned into a branding hustle for celebrities and other elites. They stand on the neck and backs of dead career criminals, feign outrage, enhance their brand and or move up the corporate ladder and use their growing wealth to move closer to white people, white neighborhoods, white schools, and so-called white supremacy. Jussie Smollett made it to the promised land, the land where Barack Obama, Colin Kaepernick, Brian Flores, Meghan Markle, Trevor Noah, Don Lemon, and other elite BIPOCs are told the truth doesn't apply to them. 
They exist in a bubble of delusion and confusion created specifically for them by their liberal political puppet masters and policed by corporate media. Smollett was groomed for this bubble since birth. His family clearly nurtured and fed the arrogance, selfishness, and narcissism Judge Lynn found astounding. There's no other explanation for Smollett's family's unhinged desperation to shield him from the consequences of his race hoax. Had Smollett's grandmother and brother been motivated by love, they would have been far less defiant, angry, and smug at Thursday's sentencing. Guilt explains their tone and behavior. They created Jesse Frankenstein. They've been the supporting actors in Jesse's Nelson Mandela cosplay for four decades. They simply stayed in character after hearing the sentence claiming Smollett's 150-day verdict was another example of the discrimination American black men face in the criminal justice system. Jesse Smollett finally melted down. Watch for yourself. Do you have any questions? No, I would just like to say to Your Honor that I am, uh, I am not suicidal. That's what I was about to say. Okay. I am not suicidal. Okay. I am not suicidal. I am innocent, and I am not suicidal. If I did this, then it means that I stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years and the fears of the LGBTQ community. Your Honor, I respect you and I respect the jury, but I did not do this and I am not suicidal. And if anything happens to me when I go in there, I did not do it to myself. And you must all know that. You know what I found fascinating about that clip? And, and I was watching this live yesterday. It's how Smollett's lawyers never flinched. Basically had no reaction. The one woman eventually stood up with him, but the, the, the male attorney uh, to the to Smollett's right, that guy like never moved. He never came up out of his laptop. The female that stood up with him, she never made eye contact with him. And so this guy's melting down. His attorneys know they're melt. He's melting down. To me, it was. I'm not even blaming the attorneys. I'm blaming Jesse Smollett because I think the attorneys know like we're representing a crazy person. We knew this was a possibility. He gave us instructions and called for us to behave in a way that was going to land him in jail. And so I think, particularly the guy sitting down, the dark-skinned attorney sitting down, he's sitting there, I think he's sitting there saying, Jesse, I tried to tell you. I'm not even gonna look at you and your bizarre behavior. Because I told you, if we came out here and read all these letters and you, you let your brother get up there and, and, and uh, you know, relitigate the case, even though he kept saying, I'm not going to relitigate the case, uh, but he and the 92-year-old grandmother were so condescending to the judge, so condescending, that I'm sure those attorneys like, whew, this ain't going to play well with this judge. And so when he started melting down and, and he after he got what he deserved, what he richly deserved, the lawyer had no expression. I ain't even going to look at this clown. This Jussie Smollett, and I, we read all, all those letters from elites 
and Jesse Jackson and Samuel L. Jackson's wife talking about what a great person he is and Jesse did this and he raised money for Colin Kaepernick's this and he gave money to X, Y, it's all a gimmick. It's all branding. He didn't do it with any authenticity. It wasn't what's really in his heart. He was building a brand. It's not authentic because his family isn't authentic. That 92-year-old grandmother, condescending, arrogant, that was the epitome of privilege. She got up on the stand, waved her finger at the judge, and talking about, send me to jail with him. And Jesse Smollett just sitting back, uh, wiping tears, because his 92-year-old grandmama's fitting to come up here and tell this judge, give her a piece of her mind. And my brother gave him a piece of his mind. Arrogance, run amok. That they left that judge with no choice but to send that guy to jail. No remorse, no admittance, just delusion. And his family fed it to him. Yeah, so the judge writes, there's nothing the judge could do worse than what Smollett has done to himself. He swallowed his own hype. And Smollett definitely did it to himself. No one is denying that. He destroyed his name, reputation, and career three years ago when he foolishly claimed white MAGA had it wearing thugs, lassoed him with a noose and tried to harm him. Smollett destroyed his chance at avoiding jail time by instructing his army of lawyers to behave as though their client was the last innocent man and a victim of political revenge. In the immediate aftermath of his hoax, Smollett went on NBC, sat down with Robert Roberts, and acted like he was the target of violence because of his criticism of the sitting president, Donald Trump. This interview that I'm about to show you, this clip, is exactly why Jussie Smollett had to go to jail. Watch. Why do you think you were targeted? I can just assume, I mean, I come really, really hard against 45. I come really, really hard against his administration. And I don't hold my tongue. Now, I've already mocked this previously, months ago. I come really, really hard at 45 and I use my tongue. This dude is a nut job. And Robin Roberts and Jesse Jackson and everybody else who enabled this nut job needs to be ashamed of themselves. His family, all, the entire posse convinced this B-list actor that Trump represented American part apartheid, and Jussie was the half-black gay Nelson Mandela. Smollett is a victim. He's a victim of CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, Twitter, and Facebook. Corporate and social media radicalized Jussie Smollett. They did the same thing to half of America. They developed and released the Trump derangement virus that ignited a five year and still counting pandemic of irrational behavior. The exact same platforms radicalized a significant segment of Trump supporters who stormed the Capitol. 
One of the president's supporters, Ashley Babbitt, was murdered. Many others remain in jail or have been handed long prison sentences. Jussie Smollett may never realize how easy he got off. Ashley Babbitt has far more in common with Nelson Mandela than Jussie Smollett. And she wasn't suicidal either. She was the one who had to be running around in fear that somebody was out to get her. Ain't nobody out to get Jussie Smollett. Chicago is one of the most democratic cities in all of the country. That whole system is rigged up for well-known uh, black gay men uh, with Jewish heritage. You ever seen Lori Lightfoot and her wife, the mayor? That whole city is bent over begging Jussie Smollett to pleasure them. You know what kind of an idiot you have to be in that city to be a leftist and get Lori Lightfoot to want you in jail? No target. Ain't nobody, don't nobody in jail, in Cook County Jail, want to harm Jussie Smollett. They may want to get next to him, but they don't want to harm him. Don't nobody outside of the Cook County Jail, unless, unless, the only thing that could justify his paranoia about somebody Jeff Epstein in him, is it Jeff Epstein? Epstein, yeah, Jeff Epstein, worry about Jeff Epstein is if the power structure, if the Democratic elites talked him in to pulling this race hate hoax. Now, if he's afraid that he may squeal and tell who put him up to doing this dumb stuff and that they may seek revenge on him to shut him up, he makes a tiny bit of sense, a tiny bit. That, when I watched him and oh, I'm suicidal, oh, blah, blah, blah. Well, the first time I heard him, I thought he was being defiant towards the judge. I, I, I thought he was trying to you ain't hurt me. I can do these 150 standing on my head. I ain't suicidal, I'm built for this. That's what I, I thought. And then as he explained himself, if something happens to me in here, I didn't do it. I'm not suicidal. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's paranoid. He thinks he's going to get killed. Well, who would have motive to kill Jussie Smollett in Chicago? The headquarters for Democratic politics that just, you know, we've done her. Jussie said, I come hard for 45. He didn't say, I come hard for Barack Obama. And hell, there's probably more truth to that. Let me stop. Get myself in trouble. I, I, I just, the only people that can have a problem with Jussie Smollett are the leftists who talked him into this idiocy, if they did. And based on the fact that Jesse Jackson and the NAACP are caping up for this dude, Maybe they did put him up to it. Maybe they are worried about Jussie uh, 
betraying the Illuminati, the Freemasons. Maybe they're worried about Jesse uh, telling all he knows about their little secret sex societies and what they do with kids. If Jesse Smollett, if he gets popped in jail, that'll be the reason why. <sighs> all right. Uh, let's roll out uh, to Washington, D.C. And I'm, uh, Delano has written a column about uh, Jussie Smollett as well that you should check out on The Blaze. Uh, but <laughs> I called Delano yesterday, probably 15 minutes after Jussie Smollett melted down. He was one of the first people I thought, I like, my God, I got to talk to Delano. Did he see this? Uh, Delano, I know you've had time to watch and digest uh, Jussie Smollett's meltdown. Mm-hmm. I, just what were your initial reactions upon seeing it? So, Jason, it was, it was interesting because, you, as you said, you and I talked, so I heard you describe it before I actually saw it. And then when I saw it, it was even crazier than what you had described. Um, you know, it, the way he kept reiterating that he's not suicidal. And then you see, I think it was, his, I'm assuming it was his sister's, um, at one point when he finished speaking in that first round, and you saw some of them put their fists down, and then you know how defiant he was on the way out. I mean, this. <laughs> I mean, this. When when you see acting this bad, I think more of Tyler Perry than I do of Empire, um, because this whole thing has been one big melodrama that J Jussie Smollett has caught all of us up in, um, and I don't know if he's got you know, some sort of deep mental health issues or if he's just sort of a garden variety narcissist with more money and more access to power. Um, I certainly think he has what I describe as ethnic Munchausen syndrome. And, and, and the, the symptoms of that are people who fake hate crimes, embellish racial trauma uh, for the purpose of gaining sympathy from, you know, the broader society and, and certainly from the powers that be. But it really was surreal to see him do that. And as I said, the, the last time I've seen an outburst that crazy on screen in a courtroom is probably in one of the, you know, Tyler Perry's Medea flicks. <laughs> you know, it, it's, I'm a lot older than you. It reminds me, I think, of, of Al Pacino did a movie, Injustice for All. Or, may, mm. or maybe I'm thinking of, of of Dog Day Afternoon, uh, Al Pacino's out in front of a building. He and a buddy had tried to rob a bank or something. But, but anyway, anyway the, you use the word acting this bad. Do you believe Jesse was acting? I, I think he was melting down. I don't think there was any acting going on. I think he was so shocked and so stunned and put off and angry that this judge had sent the great Jussie Nelson Mandela Smollett <laughs> to jail that he couldn't control himself and he just snapped? I mean, that's a good question and, and it's something we'll likely never know because there's no reason to trust anything that he says. Uh, clearly he's a pathological liar. He, he sat in front of Robin Roberts and he fooled her, um, which parenthetically I, just, I think just goes to show 
how ineffective and, and useless the media has become because I read comments where Robin Roberts said this was one of the most difficult interviews she had to do because he's black and gay just like, you know, she's black and gay. And if she went too hard at him, the, L, the you know, both sides of the community, both the black and LGBT would say, oh, you're, you're picking on him unfairly. So uh, it's hard for me to say whether he was acting or whether he was melting down. It could be a little bit of both. Um, but with actors, they are trained to play roles and, and they are trained to be convincing in doing so. So it's, as I said, it's hard to say. But I mean, the entire scene just seemed, everything about this case, about Jesse Smollett, about his family, um, it just seems completely fraudulent and, and fugazi. I mean, the whole thing is fake. The fake freedom fighters, the, the, what he cast himself as the gay Tupac, I mean, it's, it's, it's just people playing roles um, and they're playing them poorly. And I, I think that's why he was why he was caught. Right. When the police showed up and he still has the noose around his neck and they're like, well, you want to take it off? And he said, well, I just want you guys to see it. <laughs> I mean, th this is not the behavior that most people would come up with. But when then and I guess this is the reason that he's a C and D list actor as opposed to. I, I, I would hope if Denzel or Will Smith tried to pull something like this, they'd be a little bit more convincing. But um, Jussie, I think, went to the LeBron James Academy for acting. Um, and I think that's why we're seeing the, <laughs> the results that we got so far. Let, you said something interesting about Robin Roberts. And, and we don't have to spend long on this, but I just want to make this point that she was worried about being black and gay and, and mm. what the black community and or the gay community would say about blah, blah, blah. And, and so one of the points of this show, and it's why you're such an important element on this show, is, is I'm constantly, and we are constantly trying to talk and communicate to people like, hey, who do you answer to? Do you mm. answer to God who loves the truth and only wants you to pursue the truth? Or do you answer to black people and gay people? And, 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 and that's the mentality. If we want to move forward and have success and take advantage of the freedom and opportunity that we have in this life and particularly in this country, you have, and again, I, Robin Roberts, I would probably tend to think has no religious beliefs and that's why she's sitting around, well, I answered to black and gay. Whereas you and I are sitting here saying, no, we answer to God. And so mm. when I'm formulating a question to ask to Jussie Smollett or anybody, I'm running it through the filter of how God will feel about it, not how black Twitter or LGBTQ Twitter will feel about it. Right. And, and for me, you know, even as I go through my process, I, I make sure I, I check every fact. If I have an opinion, it has to be based on something, not just, you know, something I'm pulling out of the air or, as you said, trying to get a pulse on black Twitter. And, and, and the big part of it, Jason, is, you know, trying to apply the same standards and principles across the board, whether to friend or foe. But it's so it's so interesting to see people who, for instance, um, I, 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 and I wrote about this in my piece. I mentioned Amy Cooper, the, the white woman who got into the situation with the black bird watcher in Central Park. And when charges against her were dropped, 
I mean, all of these people are saying, oh, my gosh, this is white privilege and, and she should be held accountable and so on and so on and so forth. But the same people turn around and, and they don't want Jesse to do any prison time. And it's six months. Right. This is not he's not going to jail. He's not going to prison for in, one. He, he'll probably be in, in in jail. Right. In county jail, not in in state prison. It'll be for six months. He'll be back home pretty soon. Um, but when it comes to him, they want to see him evade any any accountability and any consequences. And it's one is one of these problems. And I said this in the piece um, that's in his case is indicative of a larger moral decay within what I call the aristocracy, the, the black elites in media, um, in politics, in business, in entertainment, in athletics, um, in academia, in punditry, who on the surface look like the rightful heirs of Du, du Bois's talented tenth, but these people are motivated exclusively by self-interest not by the social progress of sort of the larger black community. And that's why they always circle around their own, right? They can, uh, you mentioned Derek Johnson, the head of the, the NAACP and Jesse Jackson, right? They're in Chicago. There are hundreds, if not thousands of victims of violent crime that they could uh, lend their moral weight to. They could say, look guys, um, there's, be on the lookout for such and such suspect. They shot and killed a little girl. Um, at the McDonald's drive-through, we want to show people that black lives really matter to black people. They don't do that. They show up when it's, when it's Jesse Smollett or when it's Bubba Wallace or when it's Colin Kaepernick. They're all about self-preservation and, and protecting the interests of their own. And to the extent that they even talk about the black working class and black poor folks, it is also to promote their interests. They talk about George Floyd and getting his neck stepped on, but they use him as a stepping stool to more political power, to, to more economic power. And it's really one of these things where I, I hope this case makes that crystal clear to people. And I hope that this is an opportunity to finally put the nail in the coffin of, of these folks. I, I'm not wishing them any ill will. It's, it's not that I dislike them personally. I just hate what they stand for because they, they play on the legacy of Dr. King and, and the civil rights era, but they have unleashed uh, a torrent of civil wrongs on this society because they have the wrong foundation, right? King was about moral refor reformation through the law. These people are about Marxist redistribution, right? Through, through government policy and cultural power. Um, and you see this play out time and time and time again. And, and it really is sickening. Derek Johnson, Jason, is a person that said the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict was a bigger injustice than what happened to Emmett Till. Seriously, these are the people who claim, claim that they speak for, for the, the black working man and, and working woman. And I just, I'm, I'm sick of them, honestly. I, and I, I'm, I'm trying to be gracious and, and, and acknowledge that these are also people made in the image of God, but they have dirtied that image by the things that they do and they say every day. When I called you yesterday, at that moment, what I had just witnessed from Smollett was so buffoonish, so lampoonable, so comedic, so embarrassing <laughs> that I suggested to you, I go, I, this may be the death throes of this civil rights grift, racial grift, that, that this 
this here exposes them because Jesse Jackson, I'm like, this is the guy you were throwing your public support behind and pleading for mercy for a guy that just melted down and acted this kind of buffoon over 150 days in jail, who, whose family and him came in in such a delusional state, he had his lawyers in such a delusional state, they acted like all the overwhelming evidence, the, his collaborators turned on him in court and exposed him, there's text message proof, there's all kinds of evidence. And they all came in there arrogantly and denied the truth and lied and claimed his innocence. I just felt like this was so embarrassing for Jesse Jackson, the NAACP, and, and all the other grifters out there that, that I felt like, well, th this, this may be the kill shot and we're witnessing mm. Jesse go through the death throes of this entire thing. Because so many other celebrities are doing exactly smaller versions, uh, not as flamboyant versions of what Jussie just went to jail for, but so they're all faking. You know, oh my God, George Floyd's death. What, what George Floyd could be president right now. He could be the doctor that cures cancer. And oh my God, George, it's all an act. And, and mm. I thought this here exposed that and, and you know, it gave me hope that these are the death throes of that entire grift. And, and that's where I think your column kind of insinuated, it, it certainly called for the death <laughs> of oh, that movie. Absolutely, and I, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I realize um, in order for it to really be the death throes, you need to be dealing with people who have some type of shame. And these people, to be quite frank, are shameless. They will say and do anything. They, they will sully the legacy of uh, the black people who came before us, right? The people who they say, these are my ancestors, I'm trying to build on their legacy. Every time they see a public policy that they don't like, it's Jim Crow. Every time they get in a personal jam, they become Emmett Till. And the, the, the corporate press, which really functions as a, as a media laundering operation, will come and spin their narrative in a way that makes it palatable to the, to the broader public. And again, you, you see this you know, time after time after time. And what I say in the piece is that you know, America has an ugly racial history. There's no, there's no getting around that, right? There's a lot of good things about this country and I, and I do, do not deny those things. But you, you can't go from whenever you want to place it, 1619, 1620, 1776, you can't go from then to now without going through some, some dark times. So there are certain wounds that I, that I hear black people talk about, and, I, and I'm, you know, I'm cognizant of that. What we need are competent cultural physicians that can look at a particular outcome, Jason, and say, okay, I think uh, this, I, I see the symptoms, right? Here's my diagnosis, here's the treatment, and here is a, is a prognosis for us to get better. So if we wanna talk about street crime, okay, I think part of it is due to the legacy of segregation and redlining, economic factors, cultural factors, but we don't get that. What we have is a steady stream of, of spin doctors who are all about image management for black elites, and then witch doctors who only have one treatment option, and white supremacy. That's all, that's all they have. So what, what ends up happening is that the, the body politic 
is continuing to get sicker and sicker, right? We have this chronic disease and the people we look to for healing can't provide it. And, and I think you see that. And Jesse Smollett is just one e- example of that. But the, the, the media is complicit. Academia is complicit. Um, punditry, social media, athletes, entertainers, they, they do this all the time. They it, totally ignore working class black folks who are, who are the overwhelming victims of, of homicide and violent crime in city after city. And they step over their bloody bodies to go and find a Jacob Blake or a George Floyd or someone else who gets into a jam, right? Fighting police or, or, or resisting arrest or, or something of that nature. And then they put all of their moral weight behind those people and leave all the other victims to fend for themselves. Um, and it's, it's really unfortunate, as I said, I, I think it's one of the most disappointing things that I've seen in terms of the legacy of, of the civil rights era. Um, but that's really where we are right now. Let me ask you a question, and we'll end on this note that's a little bit of a curveball for you. Okay. It's probably a question I'd, I'd ask uh, Steve Kim, but it, it, it's, it's something you can relate to. I, I sat there and watched that yesterday, and all I kept thinking was like, there has to be a Saturday Night Live spoof of this. <laughs> the, the, the late show talk show host have to crack jokes about this. Bill Maher has to have a take about this. Like the comedic world is who could put the final death knell and, and shame the people without shame. If comedians started shaming them, if they found people on TV and in public spaces laughing at this sort of behavior, that's how you end it. If mm. you had to predict, will comedians touch what Jussie Smollett has handed them or will mm. they just pretend like it never happened? That's a great question. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say somebody will. Uh, I certainly think, I mean, Dave Chappelle can just pick up where he left off on Juicy Smouye. But Jason, I'm, I'm, a, I'm going to give an idea of what this could look like. And I'm going to be halfway joking. I'm going to be halfway serious. I think they should cast uh, Jussie Smollett as the Rainbow Panther. Right? Not the Black Panther, the Rainbow Panther. <laughs> right? And, oh. and, and but here's the serious part. Here's the serious part. I think one of the things that we're seeing in his case is the effects <laughs> of 50 plus years of black matriarchy. Almost all of the people, the most prominent people who've been defending and enabling Jussie Smollett have been women. Right. So so not just black matriarchy, because his grandmother's not black. So matriarchy in general. Kim Fox, who made the original case go away, the aide to Michelle Obama, who made the call to Kim Fox to give a little nudge and a little pressure. Lori Lightfoot at first, who said when she came in, I got a lot of things on my plate, a lot of things that are serious. I'm not concerned with this case. His grandmother, his sisters, Robin Roberts, Amanda Seals, the the C-list comedian who is, is a huge Jesse uh, supporter. Time and time and again, you, you see this, the women enabling this, this bad behavior. So if Jesse is the Rainbow Panther, these people are, you know, his Imperial Guard, like, like T- T'Challa had in the movie, protecting him from all types of accountability and the Killmongers, which would be Rahm Emanuel, Eddie Johnson, the, firm, the former police uh, superintendent, and I think that uh, Judge Lynn, 
the person who who sentenced Jesse to six months in, in prison. And and you you've seen that that push and pull over the last three years. But uh, if, if I was to go in a, in an artistic direction, I would cast Jesse as the Rainbow Panther. Uh, Uncle Jimmy, I hope uh, was listening to that and taking notes <laughs> uh, because man, that's our spoof, the Rainbow Panther, uh, and San Francisco as Wakanda. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Jason. <laughs> Thank you, Delato. All right, let me tell you about our good friends at Good Ranchers. Inflation is at an all-time high, and it's hitting us, especially at our grocery store. That's why you need to see our friends over at Good Ranchers. They only source and sell 100% American meat from local farms and ranches and ship it directly to your door. And once you subscribe, your price never goes up. Inflation won't impact you here because your price is locked in for life. Get your $30 discount on prime steaks and better than organic chicken today. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash fearless right now. Good Ranchers makes the get, takes the guesswork out of the grocery store by sourcing everything from local farms and shipping it to your door. Use my promo code fearless and enjoy your $30 savings on your box of 100% American meat. Order now to combat inflation with Good Ranchers American meat delivered. Special Good Ranchers music video Next. Hey, what's up, Butter? How you doing, man? What you popping off? Oh, man, you know how I do, man. I'm sitting up and got this good ranch is jumping off. You know how I do, man. Are those burgers? Burgers? <laughs> them, is, them is good, old-fashioned American Wagyu steak burgers. Boy, you better watch your mouth. Hey, I man, let me tell you something. Something about this good ranch is I don't know. This good ranch is put a song in my heart. Make me want to sing. You yeah. know what I'm Kinda saying? Kind of make it look like rock stars out here with this grill. What we should do, we ought to come up with a little song, a little something. Pitch to the good ranchers, people. See if we can come up what with something. What are you thinking, man? What kind of song? I don't know, man. We, we ought to come up with a little jingle or something, man. Something to put a little. Something to, I don't know, man. Maybe something like. Um...
나보다 빨리 박수 쳐 기다리지 말고 서둘러 이제 나랑 밖에서 defeat you rap so I see that you up here will love so sad Alright welcome back uh, Time to uh, talk a little sports uh, Delano and I just did a marvelous job of breaking down all the Jussie Smollett garbage we could uh, Let's transition into a little bit of sports talk uh, with friend of the show, Fearless Army Soldier, the Korean Cosell. Uh, I wonder, could, is he in contention for the funniest man on the show? Uh, I think Uncle Jimmy would be offended by that, so I'm not going to call him the funniest man on the show. The most clever man on the show is what we'll call the Korean Cosell. Uh, uh, Cosell, uh, Colin Kaepernick is the herpes of the NFL. Uh, he will not go away. And it doesn't matter what uh, penicillin they take or whatever. Uh, that wart just keeps coming back again and again. And yesterday, Adam Schefter, the NFL's leading information minister, uh, tweeted out about uh, Colin Kaepernick, tweeted out a video of Kaepernick working out. Colin Kaepernick. Well, Kaepernick tweeted out the video of him working out, and then Schefter follows up with Colin Kaepernick is still working out mm. and is said to be, in the words of one source, in the best shape of his life. Mm. He wants to play. He's ready to play. He would be a great fit for teams with QB vacancies to fill who want to win a Super Bowl. End mm. quote. Mm. That source, I believe, is Colin Kaepernick's mother or agent <coughs> or girl. Maybe it's Ness Nitty. Maybe it's Nessa, his girlfriend. But I, the only reason why you have to take this seriously, and I think we do, is because Adam Schefter is pushing this out, and he has this direct connection uh, to the NFL. I honestly think, Steve, that with Schefter pushing this out, and I know uh, – Kaepernick's been out of the league for six years. I think there are people on the Kaepernick side and maybe people on the NFL side that are, are convincing the NFL that someone needs to bite the bullet and sign a washed-up has-been uh, quarterback who quit six years ago to become a martyr. I, I think there's a 10% chance Colin Kaepernick gets signed by someone and ends up in an NFL camp uh, this summer. Your thoughts? Um, Jason, good Friday to you. First of all, as the kids say, Colin is Captain. Uh, I mean, give me a break. You know what him and Jesse Smollett have in common? They're both bad actors. In fact, the only thing that was missing from uh, Kaepernick's video was him throwing out routes to a couple of Nigerians. I mean, look, this is part of his grift was the impression that he was blackballed because the myth ends if he actually gets a job and the myth gets completely shattered if he plays as poorly as he did the last two and a half, three years as a starter when his effectiveness as a quarterback declined sharply as the league caught up to him. But I, I don't know. This to me reminds me uh, of the guy that goes to um, every New Year's Eve. You, you see this how the gyms are always crowded at the L.A. Fitness or the 24-hour fitness because for the first two weeks, the New Year's resolution is, hey, I'm getting in shape. I'm in shape. Uh, by February, you don't see them anymore. And by the way, best shape of their lives as a boxing writer, every fighter I've ever interviewed before a fight, every single one 
is in the best shape of their life. I've never actually heard one that said, you know what, man, I drink a lot of beer. Uh, I was with a lot of women. I'm about 30 pounds overweight. I don't know how I'm going to make uh, this uh, weight class here. So I, I don't buy much into that. But again, the mythology in Kaepernick is that he was blackballed, not that he was playing football. And one last thing, I want to give a thumbs up to your old colleague that you were like peanut butter and jelly with, Marcellus Wiley, with that tweet. Oh, my goodness. I, I don't think Bruce Smith or Lawrence Taylor ever had a blindside hit that vicious. Let's put that tweet up right here. This is a flag. I'm throwing 15 yards for unnecessary roughness. Wow. That was the tweet of the millennium because I think he <laughs> summed it up best. Wow. Well, well, you sum up what he said, and I, I can call it up myself because uh, I think you said it to me uh, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, you got a better chance of stopping racism than playing again, is what Marcellus Woo! tweeted at, at, at Colin Kaepernick in direct response to uh, uh, Kaepernick's video that he put out. I, I'm just telling you, I'm more cynical than Marcellus. The NFL is so woke, and Steve, I, 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 and you've done a great job. I love all the, 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 but I want you to think about this. Honest to goodness, NFL ownership is under constant attack about off-field issues. Now, now there, people are upset. Jerry Jones, 25 years ago, may have knocked some woman up and had a baby, and that's headline news. And and that's Jerry. I'm not defending Jerry Jones. That's his personal life. You know, I, I don't, who knows if it's true, it's a he said, she said, I, I don't know. But, but the media just keeps digging and digging. Daniel Snyder, the media is a dog hunched on their leg or attached to their leg, trying to get him out. Stephen Ross, and so I could honestly see Roger Goodell and NFL ownership trying to make some peace with uh, the media because I just find it amazing. You never see these consistent baseball owners, their personal lives, whatever their issues and their organizations aren't covered nearly the way it is with NFL owners. I don't, I don't know if NBA owners face the kind of scrutiny that NFL owners have. And I could see the, the NFL and Roger Goodell, because this is what they've been trying to do the last 10 years is make peace with their enemies. And they keep backing up and capitulating. And I could see someone, some owner, uh, Roger Goodell, Troy Vincent putting pressure on some owner, uh, bring Colin Kaepernick in, put him on your roster, and let's, let's because I, I, I see newspaper and media outlets write about the NFL and, all, and then say, oh yeah, the NFL's got these racial issues blah, 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 like there's some plague of racism sweeping the NFL. And it's just not true. But if you get caught up in that PR game, I could see how the NFL could decide, you know what, it's better to bring Colin Kaepernick back inside the tent rather than having him and his supporters piss on us from outside the tent. Jason, there, there's credence to what you all laid out there. But let's look at this from a practical standpoint. What franchise would say, let, let's give a job, especially at the most important position in football, to a guy that has not played since 2016? That's almost unheard of, okay? The other thing is... A team is, that's tanking? No. Uh, it's, okay. It's, it's, you could, it, let's say the Dolphins had tanked that way. 
the, the, if they did tank at all. But let's say if they did it that way by signing Kaepernick, running him out there, the whole media would applaud that. Hey, we, hey they're 0-16, but it's not Cap's fault. It's racism that he's not winning these games. And so, again, let, let's say you're playing for a draft pick and you need to do the, uh, the league a favor. Let, let's say, why not sign Kaepernick? It, it could, you know. Well, Jason, I, I, uh, given it, it pretty much record. based on hold on, hold on. Let me let me give you his last stats. His last twenty five starts in two thousand fourteen, he went one and four. In two thousand fifteen, he went two of six, missed the remainder of the season. In two thousand sixteen, his last season, he went two and ten, and one of the wins credited to him was a game he only played one series. So I'm t- for a tanking team, a guy that went five and twenty in his last twenty five starts, it, it would be a way to tank with full media approval. Well, look, that, that reminds me of that old line uh, about Siegfried and Roy when one of them got eaten by the tiger. Chris Rock said, that tiger didn't go crazy. That tiger went tiger. In other words, you're right. If you play Kaepernick, you're going to lose a lot of football games. But let's look at this from a practical standpoint. Again, he has not played since 2016. The other thing is, are you bringing him in as a starting quarterback, which I think is preposterous, or are you bringing him in as a backup, which seems more realistic? Okay, now here's the other thing, Jason. What's he going to want? Is he going to accept the league minimum? Or is he going to say, no, 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 I need to get 20 to $25 because I'm Colin Kaepernick. You have to make this worth my while. Well, in a league with a salary cap, I'm not paying any quarterback that much. The other thing is there is this perception that still exists that there was no offer for Colin Kaepernick after the 2016 season. That's simply not true. He turned down offers. I believe one of the teams were the Denver Broncos. Then a couple years ago, didn't he have this NFL workout all lined up in Atlanta? And he decides to ditch it to do his own personal workout. And then he made this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've been ready to play, y'all. I'm, okay, he went there. And, and guess what? He wasn't. And you know what's funny? Most of the media members, actually, a lot of the former black NFL players said, this guy can't be taken seriously. So I'm sorry. I don't think any of this has any credibility. It, I don't know if credibility, if the truth, if facts, any of that matter. Because if they did, many people in the media would be calling Colin Kaepernick out for, hey, man, you did a movie about yourself where you called the NFL slavery. Mm. Do you think Kunta Kinte... <laughs> was over in Africa doing calisthenics, preparing to get shipped to America and be a slave? Do you think he was somewhere in, in the gym in the best, I'm in the best shape of my life, America. Come get me and take me to slavery. They would call like, hey, Kaepernick, you're calling the NFL slavery, but you want to get in. This is my same problem with Brian Flores and his lawyers cooking up that Oh, the NFL is just like a plantation. If so, why is Brian Flores demanding to be the head overseer at a plantation? This hypocrisy blows my mind that it doesn't get called out. None of these people should be taken seriously. Yeah, and you're right. When you're talking about credibility and truth, I forgot. We're dealing with the mainstream media. That's on me. I forgot all about that. And you're right. Kinte, wouldn't he have to limp back? 
uh, into the plantation. Didn't he get his foot cut off, or was that the wrong character? I haven't watched Roots in a while. <laughs> he can still run for 2,000 yards, even, at, even with just yeah. half a foot on one of them. He can still run for 2,000 yards. All right. Uh, I wanted to uh, switch up to the uh, San Diego, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. I think making a very bold and big move. Uh, I, I, I think that um, adding Khalil Mack, and I, I don't think he's been great with the Chicago Bears, but I don't think the Bears put you in position to be great. I still think Khalil Mack is a big-time player. Playing opposite of Joey Bosa, man, I think the Chargers have made a huge move here. That defense will get after the quarterback in a conference or in a uh, division, uh, the AFC West, that is loaded at the quarterback position. I actually think uh, this, and, and I'll be crucified for, I think it's at least as big a deal as Russell Wilson coming to the Broncos, and it might be more impactful. Oh, that, that, that's, that's bold. That's hot takery right there. Let me just say this about Khalil Mack. Last three years, he has not gotten to double-digit sacks, although last season he only played in seven games, had six sacks. And you're right. When you play for the Bears or any bad offense, as a pass rusher, you hate to play with bad offenses because they never put you in a position where for a quarter and a half they say, pin your ears back, get the quarterback. You don't have to play the run. Don't worry about the draw. Just get after the quarterback. Just playing with Justin Herbert is going to make him 25% much more effective because he's going to have opportunities just to line up wide and get after things. Here's the issue, though. We're still talking about Russell Wilson, who I believe has many good years left. Quarterback is still the most important, difficult position to play in football. You look at the Denver Broncos. Their defense is actually among the top third. Their offense is among the very, very worst. And Russell Wilson has one thing going for him, or a couple of things. He has two good running backs out there in Denver, Gordon and Williams. They each rush for over 900 yards. So he's going to be able to hand that ball off. It'll be consistently second five, second and six. And he's got Jerry Judy, who I believe is a bright young talent who has not had time to develop. I was a little bit saddened to see that Noah Fant was a part of that deal because I think he's a really physically gifted tight end. But again, we're talking about a quarterback, Jason. These things do not grow on trees. And wouldn't you say for the last decade, Russell Wilson has been among that very, very, very elite? How do you discount that? Look, I'm, I'm not – this isn't a shot at Russell Wilson. It, it, it's a shot about, hey, everybody in my uh, division has a very good quarterback. What am I going to do about it? And, and so all, those, all four of those quarterbacks, Wilson, Mahomes, uh, uh, Derek Carr, and Justin Herbert – on any given Sunday, they could outplay each other or be equal. Which defense yeah. has the best job of disrupting one of those quarterbacks? The Chargers just made a bold move. They, they basically, then they don't have Aaron Donald, who comes from the inside, paired with Von Miller. But on the outside, they got Joey Bosa, who I think is in contention to be, to be first or second best defensive end in the league, depending on his brother, depending on T.J. Watt. Uh, and, and then to add Khalil Mack on the other side, you, you, who, who you going to double? I, I, 
I think that could be the difference maker in the AFC West. I think it's a great move by the Chargers. I think it's going to be underrated uh, because, you know, everything is focused on the quarterback. But I, I, I love this move by the Chargers. Uh, last thing before I let you go, Cosell, uh, you've got something you want to say about Brittany Griner, I was told? Yeah, you guys had a really great over in Russia, locked up. Yeah, yeah, well, Russia without love. Uh, I love that discussion you had with Uncle Jimmy Shamik and yourself about, hey, how come this is not a bigger story? Was it? Is it colorism? Is it? Is it pretty people privilege? I think part of that all exists. Here's the other thing: don't expect America to have much sympathy for someone that's not only just un-American; she's anti-American. And when, whether people want to express it or not, or whether they're allowed to do it publicly, if you consistently attack our great country and have values that go against the mainstream in terms of middle America and about our values and our work ethic and what a great land we live in, I don't expect a lot of sympathy. And here's another hard truth. The reason why it's not garnering bigger headlines is because it's WNBA. No one cares. That's a reality of it. At the end of the day, all these outlets saying that this should be a bigger deal, go back to Google search. How many NBA stories do they cover? How many features have they done? They don't care about it either until it becomes politically expedient. But the, the bottom line is this. In my view, most people may not have an animosity towards Brittany Griner and her views, but they certainly have an antipathy towards her. That's why the energy that you give oftentimes is the energy that you give back. Get back. Certainly been the case in my life. Anytime I've farted in someone's face, they've taken the opportunity <laughs> to fart back in mine when given the opportunity. You ever play the fart game with your brother? Did you have a brother? You're an only child. Anyway, I'm an only child. I'll let you go. Uh, thank <laughs> you don't know anything about the fart game, but me and my brother played it, and it was devastating. All right, uh, go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock, uh, Shamika and Uncle Jimmy. We must exist in a state of man glorious as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, the mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be.
Amen. All right, welcome back. Uncle Jimmy's here. Uh, it's time for the approval rating segment. And uh, Shamika Michelle, Shamoksha, uh, is here because she's got a question uh, she wants to ask Uncle Jimmy. Uh, Shamika, uh, what's on your mind today? Well, so in this era of fat shaming or body shaming, They've been really trying to come up with body positivity. So I came across this new website for plus-sized women, and I want to ask Uncle Jimmy, is there a new woman in town? Do you agree with what's now being pushed as a positive body size? Take a look at this mm. picture. Whoa. Ooh. They made skinny jeans for eggs, I see, huh? <laughs> see? See? Wow. Hey, this, <laughs> I mean, that looks, you know what that looks like? That looks like a white wine glass. <laughs> now, if you re, no, hold on. Now, since you're going to crack jokes, you know what it really looked like? What? You remember Alice in Wonderland? Alice in Wonderland. No. That looked like Twiddle D and Twiddle Dung. <laughs> look right there. <laughs> Except in this case, look like Twiddle D done ate Twiddle Dumb. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you told me to be serious. Yeah. But look, I don't know if it's a new lady in town or whatever, but honest to goodness, man, when I look at this, you know what I see? COVID. This right here is what has killed more. Americans than the coronavirus or the Delta virus or anybody or anything else ever could. Okay, the fact of the matter is most of the people who died of corona and all of them looked, had on some skinny jeans like this right here. And they sitting up here with diabetes, high cholesterol, artery inflammation, collapsed ankles, and everything else because you trying to squeeze in some skinny jeans and look cute instead of adapting a lifestyle change. No pun intended. Go ahead. So, are the, so the, maybe the name of the gene should be called comorbidities. <laughs> Comorbidity genes. Or remember, m m remember the, the Jardash gene? He said, in this case, Jardash hangs out in the genes. <laughs> Jardash hangs out in those genes. Uh, do you have a take on cor comorbidity genes, uh, Shamika? Well, Uncle Jimmy is right because in 2019, uh, in the U.S., we had over 500,000 people to die as a result of high blood pressure or, you know, as a primary cause or a contributing factor. So I do think that we have to be very careful in trying to push a new style of body positivity. Of course, fat people have to buy clothes, right? And, you know, I would just throw an apple in her mouth and dig a hole in the sand. But they do have to buy oh. clothes. But I want them to be mindful <laughs> that the risk factor for uh, high blood pressure is obesity. And we have to be careful in what we're pushing out here as something positive. Well, we as, have a few more someone... pictures. Before oh, you, you do? get you got, to that, oh. 
Let's give you a oh, couple more ahead. pictures and then you give us your take. Oh, that's the new lingerie. Hey, is that John Goodman? <laughs> <laughs> that's from that Rihanna from... Savage Fenty. Mm. <sighs> Look, I, I'm sitting here laughing, but I'm crying on the inside. And I'm, I'm just going to be honest. No, I'm being serious because, again, if anybody on this set or on camera right now could would wear comorbidity jeans, it would be me. And, uh, I mean, all of what you all have said is just very real. And I don't understand why uh, corporate America, the, why, why are we pushing obesity? But we're, we're really pushing anything that will kill you. Anything that will kill you, we're saying don't shame, don't, don't, don't be against that. And I'm telling you, as a fat person, I, I, I don't want to be proud of my gut and flab. I, I don't, there's no, I don't have any desire to be proud of that. And I don't have a problem. I, I really, I've never had a problem when people have cracked jokes or whatever. I crack some of the best jokes on myself. You know, my, my confidence really comes through Christ and, and, and being a Christian and, and just an overall positive image about myself while realizing my flaws. And my flaw is obesity, and there's no way I should be running around wearing it with pride and presenting it to the world like everybody should be like me and damn right I'm overweight. Damn right I gotta wear these comorbidity jeans. You know, the things I take pride in are the way I've been very responsible uh, and self-responsible and I would take care of myself, do great things for my family. My confidence comes from that. It doesn't come from being overweight. Uh, and, and so, but we're softening up America so much that anything people do uh, that will kill them, harm their self-image, harm their confidence, make them look like a fool, it's just like, I, this is almost no different than the pride we as black people take in saying the N-word. And it's like, this is a good thing. We, we've turned the N-word into a positive. And again, now we're turning obesity into a positive. They're both batshit crazy. And so is my cussing. And I'm that crap. Bat yeah, crap. bat crap crazy. So anyway, uh, good question, Shamika. But easy for you, 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 you know. Easy. Well, I, I'm going to be honest Shemika with you. Shamika weighs 120 pounds. If I could just give Shamika some yeah, advice. Just, she going to be hanging around you. Shamika, you have to pick your weight up. You know, you see how the, how the ladies just showed you in the picture there. You're going to have to, you're gonna have to pick your weight up a little bit. Or junk in the trunk. Uh, look, I'm going to tell you what. Now, earlier I said, I'm tell you, I look at them pictures, and you get mad at me. I just heard your little soliloquy. And I said when I looked, because, see, she didn't show me the same picture she showed you. She showed me them jeans first. Yeah. And I said it looked like COVID. But if she had showed me them other pictures, I'd have been like, oh, that looked like some good eating to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I ain't gonna lie, you know. Like blue M and M's. I'm telling you, <laughs> hey, hey, that just looked like a little bit of beef to go with my potatoes. You know what I'm saying? That's a whole lot of beef for your potatoes. Yeah. And, you know, Thank Uncle you. Jimmy, I'll oh. take your advice, and this will be on Blaze because you know they pay my airfare when I come out there. 
So if you want me to spill over and take up two seats, then I guess I can do it and shop this website and do it in style. <laughs> no, they're, they're very fashionable, Shamika. I'm sure you'll look good. <laughs> All right, I'm thank sure you. Thank you. All right, uh, let's get to our... Hold on, hold on. I got to ask you a question because I had to wait for Shamika to leave. Yeah. I didn't want to say this while she was here. But when you was looking at those jeans, yeah. you ever heard of the phrase camel toe? That yeah. right there looked like a moose knuckle. <laughs> a moose nose? Is that what you said? A moose knuckle. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to wait for Shamika to leave to say that. Yeah, that was not camel toe. <laughs> a moose knuckle. <laughs> All right, let's get to our approval rating oh, God. on Colin Kaepernick. Uh, me and Delano beat, or uh, you, you just heard me and Steve Kim uh, beat up Colin Kaepernick. I, I, Jim, this is one of the easiest scores I think I've ever had to do because it, it just it speaks for itself. Uh, job performance, he has no job, hasn't had a job for six years, zero, other than, you know, pimping Nike and Dissing America. I give him a zero on job performance because we're grading him as a football player. What the hell can I give him if he don't have a job? A zero. There you go. Hey man, let me ask you a serious question. Yeah. Do you do realize that NFL teams have gone out and signed Tim Tebow and Cam Newton over Colin Kaepernick? Well, Tim Tebow got signed to play tight end and got cut. He still got, got, got a callback. Cam Newton got Cut by the Patriots. Still got a callback. Bombed out in his second return in Carolina. He done had two bombs since Colin Kaepernick's none. Both of them are, Cam Newton certainly far better than uh, Colin, Ka Colin Kaepernick. And you know what, that, that, that's another, well, that, that's another nail. The fact that Cam Newton bombed so terribly, that's another nail in Colin Kaepernick's coffin. Because you can't convince me that at whatever age Kaepernick is and there haven't set out six years, that he's better than Cam. There you go. You can't exactly. convince me of that. There you go. Uh, character, uh, I actually went up a point on character. I felt like he has no character, but I'm going to give him a point this time just because at least he's pretending like he wants to play football, where I think for most of the last five or six years he hasn't even pretended. So I give him a one in character. Okay. You gave him one. I give him a 19. I give him a 19 because at this stage of the I took him down because he's no longer the country's favorite African. You understand what I'm saying? You know, what, what Colin Kaepernick is doing right now to release this video and everything on the juicy, the, the out of the Juicy Smollett trial. Yeah. Hey, man, Cap, Cap is doing what these kids call. He's out here clout chasing. <laughs> he out here clout chasing. <laughs> hey, man, he afraid the Juicy Smollett done became... America's African American of choice. The, the 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 favorite mulatto victim. You know he, he you know what I'm saying. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, authenticity. I went up a point. Uh, you know, I'll say this: if I were out of work as a football player for six years, and all I could think to do is keep applying to be a football player, that that you know he can't think of anything else he can do offer this world. Oh, I got, he's got that I know your rights camp or whatever. Uh, anyway, I, I gave him a point for authenticity this I, time instead of a zero. I give him a four, man. I give him a four because, check this out, Colin Kaepernick was raised by two white parents, right? Yeah. And now Jesse Smollett was only raised by one, yeah. right? And if you watched the trial yesterday, Jesse was like, okay, Cap, I see your two white parents. 
and I raised you one Jewish grandma. <laughs> and everybody know that a Jewish granny beat a pair of two white parents any day, you know. So, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. Uh, is, and, but I wanted to ask this, and I don't know if everybody knows, I should have asked this before the show was like, is, is, is Jussie's mother, is she dead? I mean, why is the grandmama talking and the mama's not talking? But, oh, the mama's black. black. Okay, there you go. It wouldn't have played that well. He wouldn't, yeah. yeah it's, it's, maybe she's not here, I, I don't know. But he did, mama didn't get the stand, grandmama did, the white grandmama did. Mm, interesting. Uh, I, I need to ask my mama about that, how she felt about it. You heard the last day, I'm sorry, but last day Jesse said when they was pulling him out, he's like, did you hear him say I was Jewish? <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. Are y'all crazy? I'm Jewish! I'm Jewish! <laughs> That's why they didn't have my mama talk! Okay, go ahead. It factor, uh, look man, he, can, he got Adam Schefter's attention, so he still must have it. If Adam Schefter's talking about you, he still must have it. So, look, man, it factor, factor, 20, yeah. it factor, I gave him a zero. Honest to goodness, Jason, this whole thing with Colin Kaepernick is starting to piss me the hell off. Okay, this, go, this dude goes out here in an open field with no linebackers, nobody, linebackers chasing nothing. Nobody. Th- throwing the ball around, but then he sets up here and puts out a video talking about the NFL is like a, a slavery plantation. But you put out a video showing people how well you can work out in the plantation. How well you work the fields. <laughs> Wasn't that what he was showing them? Well, look how I can cut these fields, boss. Look at how I cut and run. I can get out here and do this work, boss. Now, which one you want to do, man? You begging to get back on the plantation. They won't let me back on the plantation. I'm sick of him. Come on, man. All right, uh, I got got? him at a 22. You've got him at a 23. Um, We both got him at dumpster fires. Hey, man, we we, we need to stick with our African brothers more, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. At at least halfway. (laughs) (laughs) All right, there's Tamara. Speaking of going half on an African-American. Uh... (laughs) We'll see you next week. Looking for the right sign, looking like it's my time, feeling all kinds of free. These words are our religion, our regrets, and our decisions. We don't want to go to heaven with freedom. It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination. Raising up your hands for freedom. Raise up your hands for freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want. 